Why didn't someone just say, throw this thing more? Because he was an Oreo. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was, that's the answer. <laughs> thing about buckets <laughs> swing a drive deep to left and caught at the fence you know like he gets <laughs>Welcome to episode number 232 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we think that when Vlad Jr. is not up to bat, the announcer should constantly be asking, where is Vlad Jr.? I'm your host, Craig Wisniewski, and I am joined by the superb Joshua Hounsom. How are you doing, Josh? Feeling good. How about you? Uh, you know, the, the weather's been dreary. I've been dreary. But uh, baseball's back, and we have a whole week of baseball games to talk about, so I probably shouldn't be dreary anymore. For at least the next what forty-five minutes to an hour, uh, because we have <laughs> we have Jose Barrios uh, in his so-called start, worst of his career on the home opener and the comeback. We have um, a, a crazy reverse situation of that in Game Three with the Texas Rangers. We have Alec Manoa showing up and being a boss. We have Yusei Kikuchi being all over the bloody place, and then of course Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going off boom. Um, Gaussman twice being, I'm impressed by Gaussman, so we're going to talk about him. Uh, it's the first week, so we have a bunch of injuries. We got through, <laughs> we got through spring training with no major uh, setbacks, and now we have two guys who started off hot who are hurt. Uh, Julian Mer Merriweather, a uh, quick note on him and his velocity. We're going to talk about, uh, Bo. We're going to talk about how the, the trades just before the season started sort of impact the way that this bench looks and the way now that these backups look uh, playing every day with the injuries. So we also have your questions, which is an important thing for us to do because you can actually ask us questions about real baseball now. We have a do-over for John Sterling. We have a do-over for that president of Cincinnati Ball Club that I can't remember the name of again. Uh, Bob Castellini. Thank you. Um, I tend not to remember the names of people who say horrible things. Um, yeah. And then, and then that's, we're off and running. We're, here we are. It is 2022. The Blue Jays are four and three. What was your take on opening day, Josh, when you were at that that game? That was a crazy game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Brios did his absolute best to take the raucous crowd completely out of the game. Serves <laughs> so up to bomb to the very first batter of the season, Brad Miller, which mm -hmm. not what you want. And then didn't get out of the first inning. Four runs scored. <laughs> and then two more. And then it was actually seven to one at one point. And the Blue Jays won. Yeah. Don't call it a comeback, but man, what a comeback. <laughs> it's actually seven nothing. Yeah, yeah well, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure it was seven nothing. Yeah, but yeah, you seven were there. nothing. Yeah. yeah. Uh since nineteen oh one, nobody on opening day has come back uh from seven nothing. Um that was wild. It was like they got to the 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 uh, Rangers bullpen and realized it was made of paper mache, and just went bonkers. Uh, and our bullpen, despite having to throw eight and a third innings of relief, held the line. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe anything. I was just like, "Are are we really doing this?" Uh, pretty much for the whole for, for the whole game. Are we really doing this this badly for the first half, and are we really making this comeback for the second half? Yeah, I mean, so we'll talk about. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll save this note for the bullpen for the game three discussion. But uh, 
it was it was just an unbelievable. It's like oh 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 my, this is this is how good this offense can be, and really the only time we've seen that, other than maybe the first or two innings of Game Three, but I mean you saw when when everyone's healthy, there's just so many good hitters with track records in this lineup. Yeah, absolutely, and and there's um there's a, a an ability to take advantage of any suspect pitching. Um, you know, after after the first three innings, it looked like, um, you know, there was an unhittable pitcher on the mound, and then the second time through the lineup, all of a sudden they woke up. I don't, I don't think it's impossible to find that that groove for this team, but um, I think neither the pitchers nor the hitters are in particularly great shape after spring training. I think it's very uneven. Yeah, and you're also seeing it show up in a lot of injuries too. Again, we'll get to that in, in depth, but it's there's very clear issues that have come up from this quick ramp up. In term, you know, aside from injuries, just look at the number of pitches that these pitchers are throwing, even when they're going well. Kevin Gossman didn't he he was dominating and he didn't go deep, and then Luis Severino for the Yankees was same thing, same kind of thing. So, or obviously Clayton Kershaw taken yeah. out with a perfect game after 80 <laughs> pitches. It's like that's not something that's supposed to happen. No, no, something's gone uh, gone a little loopy with the lockout impact. Um, but again, every other time there's been a work stoppage, this is this has been a you know it's not gonna be a whole season thing. This is like, are they gonna hit their stride? And I, I think the answer is yes. Um, oh yeah, it's it's definitely an that. early thing. Like just normally they would be in the later stages of spring training. And uh, I can't remember who was talking about this. I'm sorry if whoever it is happens to be listening to this. This is also typically a point where in spring training you'll see pitchers complaining of a bit of a dead arm period mm-hmm. because like they've ramped up and then they it's like oh, okay and then they rest and then they're good to go for the season. Now those games are actually happening during the season, so it's just really not the type of baseball that we should be seeing from anybody going forward. Uh, which means that the Jays being, you know, in, they were tied for first place. I think uh, going into that last game at Yankee stadium, I don't know how that, I, I don't look at the standings. They were closely. in first place alone yeah. going into that last game. So, I mean, no one's stomping all over the league in this strange situation. So I, I think that's, I, I don't have any complaints about a four and three week. Uh, there have been some weird things, but um there's also been some really, really cool stuff. Uh, so game three is the maybe the one game where I, I have no idea what happened there. No one. <laughs> it, it was it, it was the classic. Can't anybody play this here game uh, <laughs> for the for the pitchers? I don't know. Uh, Jays get out six ahead six nothing. There's there's six home one. run six one home runs hit everywhere and then it's like flailing arms and and Texas is all over everything. Yeah, Ryu just melted down. He just got kept giving up rockets left and right. And there was a ball that was hit. It was a rock. I think it was a bullet. So I'm not saying this is Bo's fault, but it was almost right at him. And he missed it because he was hit so hard. But then five runs scored. <laughs> just like, oh, God. It would have been an inning, inning, inning ending double play if he fielded it without question. It was this Taylor made his Taylor made gets if he fields it. Um, and then just none of the people who came out of the bullpen after that could get anybody out. It's sad when you look at a box score and every guy has a run total next to his his name. Like, no one escaped unscathed. It's like, oh. Except somehow Trent Thornton, who got sent down because he sucked in the first game. But, I mean, the, the nice thing about it, though, is the guys who gave up the runs, aside from Phelps, but Phelps' run was kind of chintzy anyways, but... 
the guys who gave up the runs were not the guys who were expected to be the leverage relievers. Leverage relievers have been great. Yeah. Um, absolutely. The, the Jimmy Garcia, Jordan Romano, um, Adam Simber, largely, uh, all these guys have been like, Oh, that's exactly what has been before. good. Yeah. No complaints. Um, yeah, it's the low leverage guys who are being asked to, again, not completely, you know, in the zone, maybe where they might be during a regular season and it, they're, the hitters are able to take advantage of it. They're just not as sharp. Yeah. So, anyway, it's it, it's it was bad. You know, you don't you never want to lose a game when you're up six to one against an inferior opponent, but it wasn't indicative of anything. It was just bad. <laughs> it was just a bad game. Obviously, Ryu, uh, he was throwing. His velocity was okay. His location wasn't great. He needs to be better next time. Uh, you know, we're going to have to, he's the guy to watch among the, all the pitchers who threw, even though we just focus on the bullpen. He's going to start again in the Oakland series. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks. Um, to segue that to the guy who followed him, Alec Manoa, looked like a boss. <laughs> Waltzed into Yankee Stadium and just, completely left the Yankees flat-footed like they had no chance yeah so this is a really interesting one because Alec Manoa last year was known basically as a two-pitch pitcher well he had two fastballs but fastball slider and that you know that's a recipe that works but doesn't work that well especially against left-handed batters and this year he came out in his first start and he threw a bunch of changeups and they were really good ones. He, he made a point that he was, he'd been working on that with Kevin Gossman when, at the beginning of spring training. And obviously if you're going to look for an off speed pitch and try to em, emulate someone's, that's a pretty good person to do it with. And, you know, we talked about this a bit on our preview pod. If he can actually harness that and become a legitimate three well four pitch pitcher then he can disguise the limit for him yeah uh it's very hard to shut the yankees out in yankee stadium and he has done it twice in his career so uh i don't think the yankees like to see alec manoa coming which is i think it's a very rare thing for the for the yankees to be worried about a blue jay pitcher yeah um yeah and the interesting thing about about manoa too is that he was throwing a bit harder we saw that in the spring and it fits more with the profile that he came up with. Well, he threw harder in the minor leagues. He touched 100 miles an hour at one point. Yeah, that was in shorter spurts, not as a starting pitcher. But there was more velocity there than he showed last year. I don't know if that was a, as a result of just trying to get comfortable pitching in the major leagues or, you know, the, the jump in innings. I don't know what it was, but he's come out of the gate this year throwing harder. Um, yeah, again, we're obviously hoping that that doesn't lead to any kind of, uh, injury slash long-term situation, but it, 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 I, I'm always excited to watch a Manoa start. And if he could stop hitting people, that would be super awesome as well. Uh, going with our theme of ups and downs though, you say Kikuchi, what the heck was going on with him in his first start? Yeah, the Yankees are all over his slider. And 
his cutter too. Actually, both of them. They, it's like they were just sitting on them. When he started throwing his fastball more, and he was still throwing 95, 96, the, he actually started having a lot more success. So I wonder if that's something that's going to be tweaked a bit. He's always been a, a heavy usage of his breaking balls guy, but he has such a good fastball that it doesn't really make sense to pitch the way he does. So I wonder if they're going to work on that and change it for next outing. I felt like of all the the pitchers I've, I've you know had a chance to actually watch the game, Kikuchi had the worst control of all of them, um, or like the worst worst command of his breaking ball. Anyway, yeah, he uh, he just he just didn't look great. Um, I and you know again, this is it's one of these things where it's like it's really hard to analyze these first outings in this weird season. Like Ryu, it's the there were question marks about him coming into the season and the first starts did not answer the questions. <laughs> you know, they left him very much lingering, but it just didn't tell us anything. We, we just have to see more. I know yeah. that's pretty useless commentary and I, know, <laughs> I wish I could say more than that, but it, it just, unfortunately the situation we're dealing with. <clears throat> uh, and that's the Jays got shut out in that game as well. Uh, the bats kind of went, you know, for a shrug um a couple the, the hitting with the runners in scoring position has been abysmal this year uh in these you know this first week uh that was not the case last year with essentially the same group so i it's one of those this seems to be an outlier kind of week with overall you know better than average results yeah, I do think there is an element to the Jays' approach where they're very swing happy, and, they, and that's what they were last year, and it worked for them. That can lead to just occasionally not producing in spots. Yeah. And certain guys, like Boba Shett has been terrible in the early going in the season, and he's swinging at more pitches than he's ever swung at in his life. And he's chasing more pitches than he's ever, ever chased. So I think that it could just be a very small sample size fluke kind of thing that just happens with their approach sometimes. Yeah, the Jays did not strike. The Jays struck out the least in the American League last year, despite their "quote unquote" free swinging ways. Um, not that they walked the most in the American League, though. I seem to remember something about that. Um, so yeah, they look one way, but I don't know if they end up getting in the long run results the way that they look. Oh, that sounds strange. Um, but yeah, they did not have a bunch of high strikeout guys. If we're, if we're talking about all the, the guys last year, a lot of them cut their strikeout rates from what their career totals were. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's an outlier. The word well, of no, the week what is, is outlier. It, the thing is, the reason they cut the strikeout rates actually wasn't because they became better contact hitters. I think that's kind of a myth that gets portrayed by that number. It's just that they were swinging more early in counts and putting the ball in play. It wasn't that they were necessarily being more patient or more contact heavy. It's just they were just swinging more often, and therefore you're going to hit the ball more if you, you know, you're going to put it in play more if you swing more. So that's sort of what happened there. There you go. Uh, that makes sense. So, now the good game, he said. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. acting like a superhero. Hits a home run in the first inning. Uh, has to make a throw on a wide Bobachette throw. Uh, sorry, a play on a wide Bobachette throw in the second. Uh, which leaves him literally bleeding from his hand. And that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> How could that not matter, Josh? Apparently, it was inches away from breaking bones. <laughs> Fractions of an inch. 
or fractions of a centimeter fractions of that's a centimeter. what i meant yeah, yeah 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 inches is the wrong word <laughs> like millimeters away and and then he comes out and he the home run he hit in his second at bat which is the first one following this play garrett cole has thrown over 700 fastballs over 95 miles an hour in off the plate in his career because he throws hard that's the first time someone's hit a home run there is a freeze frame of this pitch uh, where Vlad makes contact with his, his arms pulled all the way into his chest. Um, I have no idea how he generates the bat speed and torque that he does to then hit it like 420 feet. It just, yeah, that's it doesn't the part that, does, that I don't, I just, that Vlad is just superhuman, as you said. I've seen guys pull their hands in and hit that pitch and hit it hard. I've never seen a guy pull their hands in and hit that pitch 427 feet. Maybe Miguel Cabrera, but that's yep. the only guy I can think of. But Miguel Cabrera would would set up and goad people into throwing him that pitch. Like he would he would coax pitchers to go in there. <laughs> right. And this anyway, not but, that. <laughs> no, and and just I tweeted this, but an example of how special Vlad is as a hitter. I mentioned that's the only time Garrett Cole has given up a home run on a pitch like that. And Vlad is the only pitcher ever to hit a home run on Zach Britton's sinker when it's down and under the strike zone. Two elite pitchers with their elite pitches, and Vlad is the only guy in history to hit a home run on them. <laughs> history is the wrong word. The only guy in their yeah. careers. I should have put uh, a gold star up for for um, Cole because I, I they were asking him, you know, how do you feel about it? Because he tipped his cap after the the after the double the double. Uh, you know, third time up, still hadn't got him out. Extra base hit every time. Uh, his response was, if you had a cap, you'd tip it too. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate show of respect, right? Not like, oh, well, you know, one of those pitches was was lousy or this. That it, Yeah, the guy beat me with my very best stuff. What else am I going to do but tip the cap? I respect that entirely. Yeah, that was a great response from Cole. And, and the tip of the cap was cool too. It's like, okay, you, I just threw... The previous at bat, I threw a nasty fastball in and you hit it out. This time I threw a nasty fastball low and away and you hit it down the line for a double. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's nowhere to pitch you. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. don't tell Luis Severino that because Vlad went over four with four Ks the next day, but <laughs> there was nowhere for Garrett Cole to pitch him. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the old, you're only as good as today's starting pitching, right? Or, and, or and Jonathan Loisaga, but yeah. Um. So the Blue Jays uh, had the the next game. They come up, and it's good news, bad news. Good news. Kevin Gaussman is on the mound. Holy crap, does this guy generate swings and misses. <laughs> I don't understand what it would be like to face a pitcher like him. I, I So the, the, the at-bat that really set this up for me was Aaron Judge batted in the, I don't know, it was the third inning or something. Maybe it was the fourth. Gossman doesn't not, didn't throw a lot of sliders last year. He's actually doing it a lot more this year. He goes slider, swing and a miss. Slider, swing and a miss. Slider, foul ball. And so it's the three pitches that are breaking away from from Stanton, and then a splitter which dives down and in, and he just waved at it. He had no hope. And you couple that with a 95 mile an hour fastball. Couple? Uh, there's two things there. Triple? Triple? Uh, yeah. You group it. But you group it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just you can't be comfortable in the box, which is why he's gotten sixty percent swings and misses on, on those pitches, uh, you know, and, and over thirty percent of his splitters, swung at or not, have have been swings and misses. Like it's just just crazy. 
um, the the distance by which they swing and miss is also, you know, even to the layperson, amazing, right? These guys who are who will hone in on a hundred mile fast, hundred mile an hour fastball, and either hit it fair or just foul it off straight back, um, and they miss Gaussman's pitches by like a foot because they simply have no clue. Like it just to them that that's not where that is going, and they've the calculation is not possible to make when he's on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, wow. I was at his first start, which was the second game against Texas, which they won four to three, I believe. And he was, you know, he gave up three runs in five innings, which is it's, it's not great. But I, I, so all my seats are pretty good. I'm basically right at the Jays batter's box. Um, sorry, the Jays on deck circle. And there are I, I can see pitches from there. I can't think of many pitches that from that spot I've just been in awe of live. <laughs> You can just see how much that thing dives, and I, and it's just I, I don't understand how people hit it. Well, they don't hit it, but <laughs> I don't understand how someone can throw that. Yeah, yeah. I also so, don't understand how he took so long to get good because he always had that. It's just like why didn't someone just say throw this thing more? Because he was an Oriole. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was that's the answer. <laughs> oh man. That said, uh, we do have outside of the games. A couple of guys who started off looking great, and now they are injured. And this is this, of course, has that domino effect on the roster that we, I believe, you highlighted, you know, preseason was the depth. Once you get beyond the twenty-eight men who are on the roster, is a little questionable. So, first person to get hurt was Danny Jansen with a. Are they both oblique issues? Yep. Yeah. The obliques, uh, an area you should take care of at home. If you're listening to this, treat your obliques nice. Um, so first one, Danny Jansen goes down. Now the catching situation is Zach Collins. Did, did we mention Heineman for the entire spring training? No, because there was no <laughs> chance he was going to be on the roster, and yet here he is. Five. He was here four games into the season. How did that happen? So... Okay, so we're here. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into the trade now. I, yeah. I was gonna save it for later, but yeah. it makes me understand the Reese McGuire trade an awful lot less. So we talked about this on the air. The idea was that they traded Reese McGuire so they could get a catcher with options because they didn't want to carry three catchers. But they don't trust him to catch. Now he's actually catching as we're recording this against Oakland, but they were starting Heineman over Collins. And I just don't understand. Like, if you're going to carry three catchers anyway, why not just keep Reese McGuire? I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard, obviously, like, watching Collins. He's been awful. <laughs> right? We well, got a hit tonight. He so got a hit tonight. But he struck out in, what, five of his first six at-bats. And his swing is really ugly. I don't think this is indicative of what he'll do because he obviously has – a slightly better track record than that in the major leagues. But I just, if you don't trust the guy as a catcher, I don't understand it. It did seem weird because I thought they would go to two catchers, uh, Kirk and Collins, or sorry, yeah, Kirk and Collins, and call up someone else when Jansen got hurt. I thought that would be like, well, okay, now now that Kirk is going to be catching full-time, um, someone else will get the, you know, the DH at bats and give us more flexibility on the bench. But that didn't happen. I was just confused. Again, like I, I'd never heard Heineman's name until he was wearing a major league uniform. Um, and then the real blow, I think, 
for the lineup is Teoscar Hernandez with an oblique uh, issue, which came up in New York. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, oddly, so you look at the roster, right? The Jays have five outfielders on their roster, had five outfielders on their active roster. You'd think that'd be the area that they'd be able to sustain an injury, you know, with the least problem, which it still probably is because if they lose one of the other guys, it's really bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But Tapia and Zimmer are, neither of them is a starting caliber outfielder, I would say. Right. Both of them can be. I, 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 don't, I don't want to suggest that like they're both lost causes because both of them have the talent to be major league starters. But it ended up in this weird situation where the Jays have two left-handed hitting outfielders on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and in those games, those games where they were starting Biggio, it's like, okay, well, when they started Biggio and Espinal, actually, the one of them, so they have, there's no one, there were no right-handed pinch hitters available. <laughs> they didn't exist. I don't think think the Jays actually would have made the Tapia trade if they'd known they could get Zimmer. Right. Um, yeah, you know, but obviously they didn't know, right? Because Zimmer was traded on the last day of camp. And you know, that's actually it was technically traded after opening day. So I don't know. I, I think that it's not the situation that they want to be in and they'll just sort of deal with it for the time being and hope that Teoscar's not out for very long. Um, Teoscar did not make it sound like it was a severe thing, but obliques are really weird. So I would not, for anyone hoping for a specific date because of what, what someone said the day after they pulled their oblique, don't, don't, don't hold your breath. Um, but hope one can hope it's only going to be a couple of weeks. Um, you did want to talk to talk about the, uh, Julian Merriweather and his velocity. Yeah. So. Obviously, for most Blue Jays fans, the issue, the biggest thing with Julian Merriweather is his health. It's like we've seen how good he can be, but he's just not a lot of it because he kept getting hurt. Or he'd get hurt and just not heal was more the thing. But one of the things that has become an issue is that his fastball has sort of gone away. I, I, I don't mind. I shouldn't say gone away. The guy still, he can still touch 98. but. You know, this is a guy that when we saw him at the beginning of last year was touching, you know, 101. And when your fastball is as straight as his, dropping down to, you know, 97, 98 from 100, 101 is a pretty significant thing with the number of people that throw 97, 98. And it sort of caused him to start using his slider more, which is his worst pitch, and it keeps getting hit out of the park. Yeah, I've... I've always held out hope for Julian Merriweather, uh, but I've also, I've just always been worried, right, about either the health or, you know, once he actually racks up a dozen innings, it turns out that something about the formula doesn't work. And if he's changed, if he's lost velocity, maybe that's the part of the formula that suddenly doesn't work. And I, I mean, I hope not. Um, but this is, I don't know how long of an audition he gets with the number of people that the Blue Jays have available to them. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing because, you know, when the rosters drop back down, they can only carry eight relievers. Right now they're carrying 10. Uh, you know, Anthony Kay is probably not someone that is, you know, necessarily long for the roster. I mean, he's going down for sure. It's another way of putting it. And 
I think that Julian Merriweather might find himself on that bubble to go down and try to find his fastball again if Ryan Barucki is healthy, because then they'd have to they have to lose Ryan Barucki for nothing. They have to waive him if they decide to not bring him to the roster when he's healthy. And he's already throwing bullpens, so that should be any day now. Indeed. Um, we already talked about Bo's approach. Did you want to go into more depth about the fact that Bo is not actually approaching things? <laughs> no, I, I think I covered it really the first time. Uh, he has also been picked off twice, which is a little interesting. I think it's because he was so successful stealing bases last year that teams are preparing for it a little more than they were. Because he wasn't known as a big base stealing threat in the minors. So yeah, he's been picked off twice, which is, you know, when you're hitting in front of Vlad, is really bad. <laughs> it's just, yes, indeed. You know, Guerrero has another home run today and, and another hit. So... He's got to fix that. But um, another thing that got meant, should have mentioned, when they added Heinemann to the roster, they waived Josh Palacios, which I that makes me sad. Because um, he got claimed by the Nationals, and I actually liked him a lot. I thought he could have been a really good fourth outfielder. But he also hits left-handed. <laughs> I can see why they waived him. All right. On that down note, or several of them, um, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with your questions right after this. And we're back, and I can't tell you how happy I am to be here for you guys, you the listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, yeah. First one is from uh, Jarrett S. at jrod19, who I believe is a patron. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Uh... Excellent use of a office space meme. And the question is, what would you say Zach Collins does here? Uh, which is a specific reference to the fact that Zach Collins doesn't catch very much, despite the fact that he is the third catcher on the roster, as we noted earlier. Uh, what does he do here right now? He's catching tonight, right, Josh? He is catching, yes, as we're recording the current podcast. And... I don't know. What does he do here? <laughs> he s takes up space. <laughs> I mean, like he, he actually does. He has a decent approach and he doesn't, he doesn't chase a lot. He just doesn't make a lot of contact either, but and he has some power. I don't, I, I don't think he's a great fit for the roster, which we discussed in the opening. I, I just don't really get it. If he's not trusted to catch and he's a terrible defensive catcher, then he shouldn't be here. And the trade chip never, never should happen, but whatever. He also just drove in a run. So, you know, who, who am I to say? Vengeance. <laughs> vengeance is his. Raising his average above one, up from 143 to 250 with one stroke of the bat. All right. L. Ellie Ellie Hart asks, I've had a hard time following what's been trialed and what the next steps are, so maybe you can help. And I say, Josh, do you know what the current state of robo-umps is? Just curious. Certainly not based on any recent games or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the umpiring has been really bad i, I mean look it's always bad and, and yeah. like, umpiring's hard right like you know a 99 mile an hour fastball from luis severino is not easy to call i'm not i'm not trying to suggest it's easy but it's been bad there are pitches that are well off the plate or well below it that have been called strikes and 
it's just impossible to do accurately. So this is why the robot arm thing, it's still being used in various levels of the miners. They keep trying to tweak it to find a right a formula that works well because technically the strike zone is not one-dimensional. It's a three-dimensional image. But that doesn't work for the way people have been trained to hit baseballs. And, and, and so they've been trying to adjust it so that the prism is flat at the top and thicker at the bottom. And it just basically finding something that approaches what people are used to with a, with what is a ball and what was a strike. So when they perfect that, I expect we'll see it pretty quickly in the major leagues. I think there is a disconnect though, because um, we're able to have TV technology that gives a pretty consistent interpretation of what, you know, where that ball is hitting the front edge of the plate. Um, and yeah, early in this season, there have been some consistently weird things going on with how much like completely off the black is getting called a strike or, you know, well below the knees is, is getting called a strike. And yeah, it even leaves me scratching my head that it's, yeah, spring training for umpires too. Is that is that where we're going to give them a pass on the first week? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's there's a saying when you become an umpire that they that just about every umpiring course school I was ever in was was the uh, the saying. Umpiring is the only job where you were expected to be perfect on your first day and then improve from there. <laughs> they uh, have not done that. Nope. <laughs> uh, but the expectation has not changed. Um, you want to ask the next one? So this one comes in from Jarrett S at Jrod19. Oh, sorry, we just read that one. No. My mistake. Sam. From Sam Dowdle at Sam Dowdle. What's the deal with the Wendy Sokolov birdseed beef jerky ads being replaced by <laughs> being replaced with gambling ads? I kind of miss hearing the same three ads about thirty times a game. The answer, Sam, is money. Lots and lots of money. Um, legal gambling in Ontario that isn't pro-line, which is really restrictive, is going to be a huge moneymaker. Um, so they have lots of money to throw at advertising. And trust me, the reason you could hear Wendy Sokolov between every inning and have the same spits, birdseed, beef jerky, all those, home hardware, yada, is because it's cheap. Don't um, put it off, call Sokolov. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just money. Uh, th those sports betting is just gonna just gonna run wild, um, raking it in for a while. Sad, but true. Uh, maybe they'll come up with better jingles. Maybe, maybe that will help. <laughs> How can you beat the Sokolov one? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Is it time for us to talk about do-overs? Uh, I think it is. Yeah. All right. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... I think one of the few people who's been at this longer than Buck Martinez, the calling of baseball games, is John Sterling, is it not? Oh, he's been doing it forever. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the 100 years of, of John Sterling. Um, so I present to you the, what you presented to me uh, the other day, forwarded to me, uh, the greatest John Sterling call of 2022. Come on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught. <laughs> At the wall, caught by Tapia. 
gone, but caught. <laughs> it's <laughs> there are no words really. So, like, I have no issue with him thinking that was gone off the bat. Literally everybody watching thought that that was gone <laughs> off the bat. But you can go, it is high, it is far. You cannot finish with <laughs> it is gone unless it actually goes over the fence. <laughs> There's rules. There's absolutely <laughs> rules about this. Because there is no good way to come back from it is gone. Even Buck Martinez, this game is going to be off the wall is an acceptable recovery. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. That, that's the great thing about Buck. It's <laughs> swing a drive, deep to left, and caught at the fence. You know, like he gets super excited and he's wrong about what it's going to be, but he never is completely wrong like Starling once. Um, he's been wrong on base hits. I think I've played a couple of those uh, in past years where it was, uh, and that's going to be a base hit caught. Um, but I don't think he's ever screwed up a homer that badly. Um, I was impressed by how how much short of the wall that came up. That was like warning track edge. Yeah, it wasn't even close to a home run. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> dear John Sterling, uh, we know you know how to do your job, and and we don't obviously, you know, unlike Buck and 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 uh, even Joe Buck gets gets lambasted because I when I look up Buck home run call, uh, I get a lot of Joe Buck mistakes as well. Um, I don't hear a lot from John Sterling, but uh, but yeah. Keep. By the way, the, the thing with Buck that just reminded me of it was um, Chip Carey <laughs> was calling a Twins game. Line drive, base hit, cut out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was a double play. The guy's thrown out of the dish too. Uh, well, they fooled the, all the runners on the field. So <laughs> uh, there was a, there was an old one. It's I can't remember who the announcer was because I, I read it. I didn't I didn't see it in an old baseball book, and it was. And he's he's uh, he's going out there, and the and it's it's off his head, and it's rolling, rolling back towards the infield. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh no, <laughs> his head is oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's a hard job. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, on a slightly more somber note, give us our second do over. Yeah, we go from the silly and the absurd <laughs> to the just like. Stupid! What? Why, why are team presidents allowed to speak publicly? Like, so Bob Castellini, who's the sorry, Phil Castellini was the one speaking. Is the son of Bob Castellini? He uh, he was on on the radio. He's the team no. president for the Reds. I'm sure there was no nepotism. I'm sure the most qualified person to be president of the Reds was the owner's son. After they Absolutely. did the lengthy of interview course. process. Yes, of course. Um. He was asked, like, why fans should have faith in the ownership and the management because, like, I mean, the Reds are the most embarrassing franchise in the league, I think. More so than the the Oakland A's or the, or the, or the Orioles. The Reds were good. They had a good team. And then two years ago, they're just like, ah, we're going to get rid of Rysel Iglesias for nothing. And this offseason, they got rid of... Sonny Gray and <laughs> and Jesse Winker and Aino Suarez and Tucker Barnard. Just, like, just cashed in and they're a good team. They were a couple good players away from being a legit contender, especially in the NL central. And then his response after this question about their rebuilds and why people should have faith in the ownership. Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> that was the first thing he said, where are you going to go? Like ba basically 
you, you what are you going to do? You're a Reds fan. Ha ha, you suck. And they continued with, like, with basically saying it's they, they need to become more profitable. No, 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 no. More profitable, not just profitable, more. So they're already making extra money. And it was just everything you could ask an owner to say wrong, he said it. Leaving a trail of slime wherever he goes. <laughs> and then he got a chance to, you know, basically clear up his comments before the game. The home op- This is the day of the home opener, by the way. Yeah. And he doubled down. <laughs> and then eventually had an issue an apology saying we respect our fans and we're trying and we're really ble- blah, 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 nonsense. But he's basically what he said from the beginning. He said from the beginning. But it was all just clearly he doesn't believe a word of the apology. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, you, could have, you could have so easily avoided it by not uh, speaking as a team president. Just d- defer that to someone else. Because there's nothing or just. That- just know what you're going to say. You know you're going to get that question when you go on the air, right? Yeah. Why did, why did you have a fire sale is, is not a question you're going to avoid as a team president, I'm sure. And, and what do you have to say to the fans? The answer should be, we're really excited about the guys we got back. We think it's going to help us be a contender for the long haul. And actually, they got some really good places pieces back in a couple of those trades. So just play that angle. And you, you don't you don't do forty two years of control. Don't do that one either. <laughs> <laughs> but just play it that way, and then it would have been fine. That's the do over. All right, do over, be done. Um, yeah, I think that has us rolling into the the latter part of this podcast. We have a Patreon. Patreon. Did you know that, Josh? Uh, no. Apparently, a lot of people who, who listen to the show don't know that either. Um, it's time to say thank you as we launch into the twenty-two season, the twenty twenty-two season, the first uh, full week episode. We would like to thank uh, the following uh, very, very much: Colleen Evans and Jarrett Seaman uh, at the BP baseball professional level, uh, and then the game time level. Uh, we would also like to thank Daniel Levitan at Deco Cuff and Matt Sweeby. Um, and then, uh, as well, our contributors, Dylan Cochran, Luke Porterfield, Mark B, uh, Marsh, Burchard, Michael Tatlock, Michael Warner, Quinn Sweetser, Sam Dowdle, Thomas Clulo, and Todd Bartlett. Thank you all for helping us make this show. We enjoy doing it for everybody every week, um, but it is made that much easier and that much better by your contributions. If you are at that, uh, at that baseball professional or game time level, you are entitled to come on and play a game with us if you have not done that. Um, Josh will be reaching out to you, and he will yeah. say to you, would you like to do yeah. that? And if you if you want to, we'll work So I sent out. an email out previously through the Patreon system. It might have gone to the junk mail. So if you're hearing this, I'm going to send another one, and we'll try to figure something out. And for everybody who's not on that list, it's turfpod.com or patreon.com slash turfpod. And, you know, if you want to contribute, every now and then we do extra episodes that are only for our patrons but uh you know and some other fun stuff um for our patrons uh we are going to have uh we we've reached a level where we are doing live chats twice a month um we're going to get that sorted out and send you information by email about how we're doing those uh and we should have two of those before the end of this month because it's only april 15th right josh we can get organized in two weeks for two two live okay. chats Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to be part of that, you can pledge and become a patron, is what I'm saying. Uh, Because I know none of you listening can get more, possibly get more of us uh, than you already have. Do you have a final thought for me, sir? Yeah. So, look, the Jays' offense is not looking very good right now. 
They've got three runs in this seven in, in in the game that we're watching right now or listening to against Oakland. This is the seventh inning, so we all like to do recordings in the middle of games, so things are immediately outdated. It's just the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. And they're somehow four and three, despite really only hitting for a game and a half. <clears throat> and Vlad and Springer are the only guys hitting with any consistency. There's just so many good hitters in this lineup that have just not gotten going at all. Gurriel, Bichette, Kirk. And then obviously when Tosker comes back, he was hitting well. But I think that they're so close to being just taking off right at the start of the season, right? I, I, they're just a couple tweaks away from us seeing again just how good this team can be. Um, my final thought, I know I've promoted it before, but now I've watched two full episodes and then I, somehow I've ended up halfway through two others. Uh, is the Captain Ahab documentary uh, about Dave Steve on YouTube. It's free. You can go watch it. It is the most gut-wrenchingly epic sports thing I have watched in forever. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Even if you are not... If you don't know anything about Dave Steve, your mind will be blown by what this man went through. You know, it might even be if you do know things about Dave Steve. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, it, it really is a truly incredible documentary series. I, I, I can't recommend it any harder. Hard, uh, whatever. Yeah. Can't recommend it, recommend it more. <laughs> more heartily. Uh, Stronger, yes. Also, you will hate Jack Morris by the end of episode three. <laughs> if you don't already hate Jack Morris. <laughs> It'll help. It'll help. It'll help sharpen your hatred. <laughs> oh, man. Which is to say that you have been Joshua Housem at Josh... Uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been episode number 232 of Artificial Turf Wars. And I will be only too happy to come back and talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.